Now getting you set for everything Cardinals. This second game is a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mac. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com. Welcome into the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We do this every Monday night at 6 on 101. On the show today, you will hear from Brad Thompson, my broadcast partner on the television games and also co-host of the Fast Lane. You'll hear from Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. We do know now, officially, the minor league season has been shut down. And every Monday, I visit with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman on Carricker and Smallman. And you'll hear that conversation from this morning. Let's jump right into it. We know that summer camps have opened up around Major League Baseball. And the big question around the game of baseball, we're not that far away from opening day. We're hopeful, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we will have baseball. I had Brad Thompson on my show today, and I asked him, what do you think? Is it going to happen? Will we have Major League Baseball? Look, I'm right there with you. I'm hopeful. And the, the, the fact that teams are showing up every day and they're doing their, their best to make it happen, uh, that, that makes me happy. I love following it, man. It's been fun to kind of talk about different actual baseball storylines. We know that these continue to get derailed. And just the idea of teams showing up, uh, I know that you, know, you probably already talked about it or, or will. Uh, you got a couple of teams that have already canceled for today. I know the Cardinals have pushed back their workout, but the Astros, the Nationals have canceled. The A's are thinking about canceling due to the fact that they can't get their test results back fast enough. And that's a problem. I mean, it's a big problem that Major League Baseball is going to have to figure out. Dan, you know this. I mean, there are a lot of people that have different stances on this. It's, it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. We're doing a good job. We're doing a bad job. None of that stuff matters. What matters is what they're able to do for the stuff that they agreed upon. They agreed upon tests. They said that they'd be back 24 to 48 hours. That stuff's not happening yet. It's a small testing facility in Utah that's getting overloaded. Uh, but And if it's just a thing about a, a holiday weekend, Dan, uh, we got another holiday coming up in September. I mean, Labor Day is on September 7th. Are we going to run this issue when the season starts? That's a problem, but I think that these are problems, hopefully, that can be fixed. Right now, it's about keeping everybody healthy, and at least from a Cardinal standpoint, I think they're doing as good of a job as they possibly can. If you're a player, what are you saying this morning? What, what are you saying to your teammates? What are you feeling as a player? What do you think is going on right now? You know what? I think that the message for everybody, because, you know, everybody's in different parts of their life. Some guys have family. Some guys are single, and baseball is their life uh, just in general. But I think that if you are there, all right, if you opted to show up and be a part of things, then what you're saying is just echoing what the veterans said to the players yesterday. Hey, we are all in this together. We have to have – everyone has to have each other's back. If you're going to be here, we have to jump through the hoops. We have to wear our mask. We have to go through all of the protocols because if we want to play and if we want to have an opportunity to, to win a championship and to do this together, look, everybody's got to be in on this. So I'm sure that there are some conversations behind the scenes. Uh, you know, Maybe there are some guys uh, talking amongst the, themselves saying, man, I wonder if it's worth it. You know, And you've heard guys talk about it. Uh, John Doolittle has been a guy who's been very outspoken and said, man, I'm wondering. Mike Trout, we've heard from him, saying, I'm really not that comfortable yet. But you know what? If you're there, if you've showed up, if you've taken that step to be here, 
then I think that everybody's going to be all in and make it happen as, as much as it is possible. If Mike Trout, and he's the big domino in my opinion, if he opts out, what do you think that means for baseball? Honestly, I don't think it means a lot. I really don't. I, I think that Mike Trout, while he is he's the best player on earth, and I don't think that there's much pushback on that, he's still one player. And I understand if, if he wants to do that. I understand anybody that, that would like to opt out and just say, hey, it's not worth it for me. But I think it's worth it for everybody else, you know, or the other players that want to be there. So while I think that that might take a hit, and honestly, it might be, you, you said the word domino, Dan. Maybe it's a domino for some other stars that say, oh, man, all right, Trout did it. Maybe I can do it, too. I believe that there are enough hungry, great ball players that will want to play uh, and Hungary's not right because that's actually Mike Trout's not. But players that that will uh, will be willing to play the season. Maybe their family life is different. Uh, I just think that there will be enough guys that would want to get it done still. In terms of the appetite, generally speaking, from baseball players, and you played this game, you won a ring in '06. What do you think the appetite is right now for players, or do you think they're just doing this because? You know what? It's their job. There's a difference. Sometimes guys show up because they want to play ball. Other guys look at it as a job. And it's a little bit of both. But what do you think the appetite is to play? You know what? Honestly, in fairness, I think it's going to vary. I think it varies player to player. There are plenty of guys. And I I was thinking about this this morning of what I would have done just throughout my career. Like, uh, you know, as a player, I didn't have a young, I didn't have a family while I was playing. Uh, and I was also like the last guy to always sneak on a roster. So like I needed every single rep to be out there. And there are a lot of guys that are fighting that want to be that 26th man or the 30th man at the beginning. Like those guys are going to be out there and they're going to take every single day as an opportunity. But there are some other guys that maybe are, are more established. Look, we saw David Price say, hey, I'm not going to play this year. Guys established. He, he left uh, over $11 million on the table. I, I think that it changes for everybody. But – no matter what, like if we are fortunate enough to get this season off, and I am still believing that it's going to happen, you're going to have hungry ball players that are out there because at the end of the day, they're competitors. And once that game starts, whether it looks uh, it, it, it looks and feels different, it's still going to be baseball. And if they fought that hard to get out there, I think you're going to see some good games. If you were a young player and Adam Wainwright stood up in a meeting and addressed you about uh, how to behave in the next three months. What do you think that would mean? How would it resonate inside that clubhouse? Well, I think that there's a big-time respect there for Wayno and for, for all the veterans. And I think sometimes it's easy as a young player or just a young person in general to feel like you're bulletproof and, hey, my my actions don't really have consequences. But when it's broken down to you, like that for a guy like Adam Wainwright and all the jobs that are on the line, all the families that are out there, all the people that every player cares about. I think it, it resonates with guys. It certainly would for me. If uh, when I came in, if it was Chris Carpenter or if it was Matt Morris that were saying those things, I, I would fall in line pretty quickly because I, I couldn't imagine being the one. And these are circumstances that I never had to deal with as a player. I couldn't be, imagine being the one that kind of messed it up for everybody, where I just felt like, you know what, I'm going to blow this off tonight. I'm going to go out. Then all of a sudden I have a virus that somehow gets in because I'm asymptomatic, and, and then I ruin it for everybody. I believe that there's a profound respect for the veterans. I think there's a profound respect with these guys for each other. And 
Uh, that, I, I think, will lead to some good decisions. Brad Thompson is my guest. He's part of the Fast Lane on 101 and also the Cardinal broadcast on television. Brad, let's talk about if we have a season. Uh, one thing I have gotten from players across the board and just reading on Twitter or wherever I read uh, about baseball, generally speaking, guys seem to be fired up about a 60-game season. Do you, do you get that feeling, too? I do. I, I do because it instantly throws you right into a pennant race. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. I know it's weird. And I know it's not going to have that feel uh, on July 24th when, when the Cardinals are taking on the Pirates, or at least that's what we hear. I know that there's going to be the schedule released tonight at 5 o'clock. But uh, I, I really believe that the guys are, are hungry. And for those, honestly, because I, I was leaning this way initially, thinking, ah, 60-game season, like, what does that really mean? Like, like, what do you really know about a team? Is that real? The more I think about it and the more I see all the hoops that these players have to, to jump through, and not just the players, everybody involved. I mean, there's so many moving pieces. Man, I, I think that if they're able to get through this season and crown a champion, it might be one of the most special ones that we've ever had. Now, we, we could end up seeing some random teams, a young team that ends up getting hot. I mean, you know the record for the Nationals last year. They wouldn't have been a playoff team through 60 games. So there is a lot of randomness that goes into it. But I think that the players are excited for the sprint. That's what you always want is at the end of the season, all right, you start seeing it. All right, here comes, uh, here comes uh, September or, or, you know, middle of August. Okay, we're going we're to go on that six-week jaunt. Man, they're jumping right into that. So we, we don't have Carlos Martinez in camp yet. And what are we, about two and a half weeks away, three weeks away from what would be potentially opening day. Do you see him going to the bullpen? And Mike Schilt indicated it would be a five-man rotation. Where, where do you think Carlos fits into this thing? Yeah, well, I, th- I think that he is really interesting because, uh, and you and I have had this conversation before, I-, I believe he has such tremendous value in your rotation. I mean, I-, I really believe that he's a guy that any given day and any fifth day that he can take the ball and just go throw a no-hitter. I think he's got, got that kind of stuff. But when you're up against it time-wise and you do want to approach it with a five-man rotation, look, the other guys that you're going to be battling with – I have the opportunity right now to get lengthened out. I know Adam Wainwright has sim- simulated four innings multiple times. Miles Michaelis is set to do so today uh, to, to to throw to hitters. Dakota's there. KK's been on the mound, so I think it puts him in a you know a, a little bit of a tough spot. We'll see what he looks like when he gets here. How how he's able to lengthen out. But at the very least, I mean, if, if you've got Carlos around, you got another great option in the ninth inning, and your bullpen ends up being that much stronger. So wherever Carlos falls is going to be a win for the pitching staff. And in the sprint, we're going to see these bullpens used differently anyhow. You might see matchups uh, super early. You, you'll see a lot of urgency. So they're going to figure out the best way for him. And also, Dan, you know there, there's the possibility that maybe he's not in your starting five in the rotation but then a couple of weeks into it, he, he jumps in. Maybe you've lengthened him out. He's been in a little bit of a hybrid role. So I, I would have no concern if he starts out in the bullpen. To me, that just means you've got five other options that are throwing the ball well. DH, what direction do you go in uh, if you're Mike Schilt? Man, I think he goes in all the directions when it comes to the DH. The Cardinals don't have that one clear-cut guy where you just look and say, Whoa, look at you. You are the DH. You're, you're going to be the guy you fit the bill. Now, I know plenty of people are probably saying, oh, well, Carpenter. Carpenter fits the bill. 
Yeah, I mean, I bet he will for some of it. You plug Tommy Edmond in over at third, and that would leave your outfield to bounce around. Uh, but I, I could see Dexter spending a little bit of time there, and I know some people might be scratching their heads saying, oh, Dexter, well, look, the guy got on base a little bit last year, so maybe you put him on in front of your, some of your boppers and, and he gets on base, you score some more runs. I think we're going to see a lot of bouncing around there. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities, but you might see that as a position too, Dan, where you give somebody a chance for a day and maybe it's, you know, I'll just throw out a random name, uh, Ron Helbrevello for a day and all of a sudden he has a good day well well go ahead go go do it again and see what you can give me it gives them more flexibility it gives more opportunities for the ball club and i think that mike shield a lot like everything else that he does he's going to get creative with it in terms of of managing a 60 game season that that's kind of fascinating too and that's part of this that i I do think the cardinals have an advantage we've talked about it a lot brad I just think Mike Shields a fabulous in-game manager, and it's going to be something to watch across Major League Baseball, how quickly managers, not just Mike, but other guys, go with their starters and really go with guys that have a hot hand in their lineup. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about that, just in general, the gameplay. Like, are we going to see in the first week of having baseball – uh, early on, uh, you know, pressing it. First innings, they are, we get somebody on, hey, let's get them over, let's get them in. We know each one of these these runs counts. But I think that we're going to see, as far as the pitching staff goes, I think we're going to see a little bit of both because, uh, you know, having the DH now in the NL for this year uh, is going to provide some opportunities. So if you have Jack Flaherty and he's stretched out a bit and you're, you know, doing the, the old eyeball test as opposed to watching uh, each pitch, you might let him go out there a little bit longer. We know nobody's going to run into innings limits at this point. So if Jack is dealing in the seventh or eighth inning and he's throwing 115 pitches, well, go ahead, young man, go get some more. You know, <laughs> you go finish this bad boy off. You know, I, I really think that we'll see a lot of that. We'll see mixing and matching. And uh, you, you've been around Shilty a lot. You know him well. He always talks about his toolbox, you know, and the, the tools that he has in it and the, the tools that each player has. Well, he's got a pretty stock toolbox heading into 2020. So I think that we're going to see him pull a lot of different strings. I think we'll see the Cardinals be aggressive offensively. We saw it last year. I mean, they stole uh, tied with the Nationals for the most steals in the National League. I think we're going to see a lot of that, and hopefully we see a, a resurgence of the offense. And, uh, you know, they, they get creative and win a bunch of games. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Give me a position player that maybe isn't on the radar for a lot of people that you're looking forward to watching, and give me a uh, a, a pitcher that you're really looking forward to watching as well. Uh, well, I, I'm sure at this point with the outfield mix, I think that everybody's kind of on the radar uh, because we don't know what it's all going to look like. I, I am interested in O'Neill because he's going to get the first crack, but I'm going to pick Lane Thomas. Uh, as the guy, just because we didn't get to see enough last year of Lane. And what we did see was impressive. I mean, we saw power to all fields. We saw him go get it out in the outfield. And he was going to be in the mix come the postseason, you know, had he not get, got hit in the hand, his season was ended. So I really like Lane Thomas. So I'm interested to see what his what his role is going to look like or what maybe he forces his role to look like. Because I think that he's got the stuff that he could be out there every single day. Uh, and from a, a pitching standpoint, man, I got so many good arms, but I'm just so intrigued by KK. I want to see what Kim is. I want to see where he fits in. You know, the Cardinals haven't had a lefty as a mainstay in the rotation since Jaime Garcia. So if he ends up being there, I want to see what that looks like. 
And if he's in the pen, I think that he could serve a really nice hybrid role. So there are a lot of options out there. There's so there's more question marks, and, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. But there's more question marks with a lot of the players in general than there is for sure things. But those things make it interesting, especially in 60 games. Awesome to catch up with you, Brad. Miss doing the games with you, and hopefully soon enough we'll be back together and calling some uh, Cardinals baseball. Thanks for doing this. No doubt. I appreciate you having me, Dan. I'm going to go back to working on my cinnamon tam. That's Brad Thompson. Coming up next, we'll talk about the minor league season. Unfortunately, shut down. What does it mean? How about the ramifications of no minor league season for players with the St. Louis Cardinals and across Major League Baseball? That's next. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. This is the Redbird Report. Hope you enjoyed my visit from earlier today with Brad Thompson talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and trying to get MLB back on the field, which they do. They have the summer camps happening, but we look forward to opening day. Now, it was just last Tuesday that we heard that the minor league season had been canceled. The next morning, I had Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com as my guest. He's on every Wednesday with me on uh, Scoops with Danny Mack, which is heard daily on 101 at 10 a.m. So the timing was good. Unfortunately, the timing of hearing about a canceled minor league season, anytime you hear that, that's not great. And I had Brian on as Brian covers specifically minor league baseball and the Cardinals minor league system and a little bit of the major leagues as well to talk about what this means, not only for baseball in general, but a lost minor league season. Unfortunately, you know, a number of minor league teams uh, and their employees, the, the local workers, are going to you know have an extremely tough year because there will be no minor league baseball in the 160 affiliated uh, locations across the country. So that not only means that players won't play, but uh, stadium workers and, and all you know won't be able to have the opportunity to have their jobs this summer either. And it's the first time in the history of, of baseball that the minor leagues haven't been able to play. Yeah, and we should mention that uh, the Cardinal Nation rolls on because it's not just the minor leagues that you cover. You cover the draft. You cover uh, the Cardinals in Major League Baseball. But uh, just your thoughts on, on no minor league baseball for the first time in, in so many years, so many decades. Well, it's, it's just disappointing. It's unfortunate. But, I mean, the reality of the virus and the situation and the, the different regulations in the states and the, and the municipalities, it's just made this uh, a reality that all the approvals necessary for fans to go to games just aren't going to happen. And they can't play in empty stadiums like the major leaguers because minor league baseball team revenue is based solely on what are called game day revenues, which are – tickets, concessions, parking. And so without fans, they don't have those revenues. Now, the MLB organizations provide the players, and they've said, hey, you know, we're not going to provide the players this year. But, you know, I'm sure if the minor league teams could have found ways to allow fans in stadiums, there, there would have been a season. Ultimately, uh, losing 2020 is, is chalked up to the coronavirus. In terms of what happens with the players and the fallout there, now we do know that – for instance, the Cardinals will have a camp, if you will, the top prospects. They'll be in Springfield. But there's so many players that need development. What happens with those players now? Well, they're going to have to continue to work out on their own primarily. Now, the one positive, and it is an important positive, is that the Cardinals have announced that they will pay all of their minor leaguers 
through the end of the season, the end of the minor league season, which is, you know, typically Labor Day, they're continuing to pay them the $400 per week. So, you know, that's a positive. Um, there'll be 16 players that'll be invited to Springfield in what is called the alternate training site. They haven't come up with a catchy name for that. Um, and that 16 in Springfield will grow when St. Louis reduces its 44 down to the opening day 30. So, you know, by the by opening day, the July 23rd, 24th, they'll be up to 30 players in Springfield, and they'll work out and scrimmage against one another and stay ready. And one of the things that John Mosellock said over the weekend is that, assuming that there aren't any issues with coronavirus players among the 44 in St. Louis, he expects the majority of this group that will be in Springfield to be prospects. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see when they announce what that means, but it could not only mean, you know, the Nolan Gormans and the Liberators and Thompsons are involved, but maybe even some of the players that were drafted this year. Uh, we don't know yet, but it certainly looks like the group in Springfield will will be pretty young. Uh, those players are there as a reserve in case the major league team needs help, but there should be enough other guys when you've got a pool of 60 uh, to be able to ensure that St. Louis has help if, if needed due to injury. And is there any chance then that those teams somehow, some way, could play other affiliates with other organizations, or is, is that completely off the table at this point? Well, I haven't heard it be put on the table. Uh, as you can imagine, the the locations, well, Major League Baseball stipulated that they wanted all these um, alternate training sites to be within 100 miles of the Major League City. Sure. So uh, the Cardinals actually got a, a little bit of a waiver for Springfield because it's technically out, just outside of 100 miles. But the point being, you know, they're spread all over the place, and there hasn't been any talk at all about, you know, putting people on buses or that kind of thing. But the good news is that the – core of players, like I said, will be at least 30. So there'll be a good enough number of players that, you know, they'll be able to play each other. But, you know, that that will get boring. But, hey, that's what spring training and extended spring training is about. The other point I just want to make about players is uh, just the other day, uh, word came out that organizational players will be allowed at the discretion of the major league team to play in independent ball if they want to try to keep in playing shape. Now, the reality is, Fewer independent league teams are playing this year for the same reasons that the minor leagues can't play. And so there aren't as many spots to go around. There are these hundreds of minor leaguers who are just released, so everybody's looking for jobs. But probably the most important consideration for a player, if, if I'm part of an, organi- an organization like the Cardinals, if I go play independent ball, there's a risk that I get injured. And if I get injured, the organization may or may not decide they want to keep me around. So, you know, some players right now are, are wary of – you know, even trying to consider playing independent ball because it could put their career at risk if things don't go well. What about the testing for those players in Springfield? Is it similar to what we're hearing about with the players now coming back into the Major League camps? Yes, we don't have all the details yet, but the expectation is that they will use a very, very similar protocols uh, at the Major League level to ensure these these players are are safe. Okay. Um, now, t- but again, like like we said, they're not going to be traveling. So you know, their their contact uh, will only be you know when they're away from the ballpark. It won't be going to other cities. Any any players that you anticipate being in Springfield, Brian, that you keep an eye on outside of the names that we've heard 
that you mentioned earlier, Libertor, Gorman, uh, some of the others, uh, Zach Thompson, that that you'll keep an eye on that, you know, we'll work with, also get into the, the coaches that will be a part of this too. Who, who are some of the coaches and managers that will be a part of this as well? Well, they haven't announced all the minor league staffs, but one of the things that, that uh, John Mozeliak was very clear about was that Jose Akendo will be initially in the group in St. Louis, and then he'll also go down to Springfield as some of these players are cut from the 44 as they get down to 30. Uh, you know, those are the key names that we talked about. But, you know, again, if the, if the draft picks are, are involved, Jordan Walker could be there, Mason Wynn, Tank Hentz, but also some of the top players taken last year, Thompson, uh, Andre Palante, Tony Losey, are guys that, that might play uh, as well. So, oh, uh, Trey John Fletcher, again, very young. But if they make this a prospect camp, they could take some guys that have never played outside a short season. Um, Gil the shortstop uh, is one. John Torres, outfielder. So there's a number of guys that uh, – Nunez, the third baseman, who, of course, you know, hit so well in the Dominican a couple years ago. So there's a lot of candidates for those uh, those 16 jobs. Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com with us every Wednesday – um, 40 teams eliminated. Uh, we're going to hear about more and more about that as the minor league season now officially eliminated from Major League Baseball. But we're hearing about going in next season, 40 teams being eliminated. We don't know officially what 40 teams are going to be, though, eliminated, do we? No, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes where affiliates are trying to decide what their future should be. There's been rumors that some may decide that they want to go the independent route, but that means that they would have to pick up costs of player procurement and salaries for the players and coaches because in today's model, the major league parent handles all the expenses involved in the, with you know staffing the team with players and, and providing a, a manager and coaches. So, But yes, major league baseball is still on their plan which will basically have four full-season affiliates per organization, and then the organization will be allowed to have camps uh, in their spring training locations in Florida and Arizona. But what that means is that whole next tier of short-season ball, which for the Cardinals includes State College and Johnson City, uh, those, those teams will go away. And the point, while there's a lot of organizations, you know, trying to, a lot of cities trying to fight to save their teams, um, if one gets in, that just means another one is going to have to go out because Major League Baseball's plans seem pretty strong, pretty firm right now. And I think the most disappointing thing to me, Dan, is that, the, you know, this announcement that was made yesterday about the minor league season being over means that the fans in State College, the fans in Johnson City, will never get a chance to see their team play their last season. You know, it, it could yeah. be that those teams are done forever. That's really tough, you know, and you're, you're trying to – all we've heard is trying to <clears throat> build up the game for those young fans and, and continue to grow the next generation. And so many times it's those young fans that will see that guy come through that particular town and then they go to the next city and the next level and eventually come a big leaguer and, you know, you follow that guy, and that's what becomes so tough for me to to handle that plan. I, I understand the economics of the game and the sport. I get it. I'm not paying and writing those checks, but I don't know, Brian. That's That becomes kind of the tough part about this for me. Yes, it just it, we just get the feeling, and, and maybe it's because we're, we feel strong, more strongly about this because we're weary having gone three months of arguing over money, but it just seems like, you know, baseball is being managed like any other corporation where the focus is on the bottom line. How do I 
um, maximize revenue and cut expense. And, you know, baseball is a, a public trust and they need to be investing in their future. And the feeling of a lot of folks are that they're, that they're not paying attention. They don't really have their eye on that ball. And, you know, Ian Desmond uh, from the Rockies, one of the players who, who's opted to not play this season, uh, put up a very, very heartfelt uh, message to fans and a lot of attention was focused on his concerns about race and how that's been handled in baseball. But he also talked a lot about his experience as a youth and the importance of grassroots support of baseball to the future of the game. And, you know, I just feel a lot better if I could see the leaders of the game, like a Rob Manfred, stand up and, and talk about growing the game and the importance of the future and not just about how much money is being made or, you know, how much is being spent. And it's just... It's just a disappointing place. It, this has just been a tough year for baseball all around. What are you excited about uh, with the camp in Springfield? As a guy that follows these young players, what excites you, even though there's not games, but what do you think we can take as a positive? And, again, it's evaluation against competition, but what do you think the clubs can take away with some of these camps as they try to develop these players? Well, they're, they're, you know, they're looking at making sure that the top prospects are going to continue to get work. And remember, there's 14 players, 14 plus and four more as they get into August, who are going to end up in Springfield or in St. Louis now. So, you know, it could very well be guys like Genesis Cabrera and Fernandez and Cody Whitley and Herrera and uh, Edmundo Sosa and even Dylan Carlson, you know, are going to be in Springfield for a while. So there are going to be some very, very good players who are down there, and they know that they need to stay ready because that call could come from St. Louis at any point in time. Plus, there's, a, there's something called the Taxi Squad, which is going to consist of three players from this Springfield group that will travel with the major league team while they're on the road. One of those is going to be a catcher. So, you know, and that, and those guys could change based on the, on the road trip. So, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for all these guys in Springfield, not only to continue to work on their own development, but to try to compete so that they can be one of the guys on the taxi squad to spend time with the big league club. We've seen the draft uh, come and go, and the Cardinals are signing player after player. Just let's put a bow on the the 2020 draft as Brian Walton evaluates the talent that has come through and the way that they allocated their funds. What did you think of of how they did that and and what went into the draft of the St. Louis Cardinals? You know, we've talked before about Randy Flores now has been in his job for multiple years, and some of the drafts have gone well, some of them like 2017 that was – hurt by the Fowler signing and the Houston hacking didn't go so well. But I will tell you, I'm very, very impressed by the job that, that Flores and the Cardinals did in this draft, not only in the selection of players, uh, because they took some gambles with three, you know, high uh, ceiling high school players in their first three picks, but then they followed it up uh, with, with five college players, including some very good pitching talent. So, but I, I think the thing that I really liked about the draft was how they had a plan to spend their money because Major League Baseball dictates the, the ceiling, the cap that, that teams can spend on their draft picks. And they can move money around between players, but they have to stay to a total. And it was clear that Randy Flores had a plan in order which guys he was going to sign in which order to make sure that he had enough money to get them all done. And he did. Ian Fidel uh, from Missouri, Missouri was the last one to sign. Uh, but they got all the guys signed uh, under under budget, but also very, very quickly. I mean, literally within – like three weeks of the draft, all the guys are done, and a lot of the major league organizations aren't. Now, granted, the deadline's not till August 1st, and there's no games being played, so there's not a huge rush, but I just like the fact 
that it was pretty clear the Cardinals had a plan and they executed it very well. Now, the key will be, will any of these guys from this draft, you know, be a part of the, the guys in Springfield? They didn't get to play a spring season. Normally, you'd say, well, draft picks, they're, they're tired because they played their full high school or college season. Well, these guys didn't. So, you know, ideally, you know, you'd find a way to bring all seven of them in. But, you know, again, there are other guys in the organization that they have to invest in as well. So there's going to be some very tough calls made regarding, you know, which players get uh, assigned to Springfield. They also signed a, a young man from the Dominican, throws triple digits. Am I correct with that? That's right. Uh, a pitcher named Edwin Nunez, he got $525,000. Now, you know, that, that's a pretty good size signing bonus, bigger than the Cardinals give. Now, it could have been more, but Edwin Nunez is 18 years old, which is a little bit old for prospects normally that come out of, of the international program. But, but this is what, you know, something the Cardinals have done before. The reason that Nunez was available so long, there was, there was some issue uh, that, uh, regarding his background that kept him ineligible a little longer than usual. But, I mean, a guy who throws 100 miles an hour uh, has a curve and a changeup as well. And, uh, you know, good size, 6'3", is a guy that maybe, you know, could move fairly fast through the system. And he's another one where you say, well, you know, do you send the Dominican? Where do you, where do you go to, you know, get him his initial attention? But the Cardinals have basically, for their international program, gone more for a quantity rather than high quality. Uh, Luis Robert, the, the big player that the, that the White Sox have that's close to the major leagues, the Cardinals, you know, bowed out of the bidding on him when it got over $50 million. But, you know, they typically go for signing a lot of less expensive guys and hope that a few of them will come through. So, you know, Nunez uh, was the highest bonus from this year's class uh, that I'm aware of uh, for the 37 guys that they've already signed during this July 2nd period. That's Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Coming up next, you'll hear my visit with Randy and Michelle from this morning as we talked it over on Carriker and Smallman right here on 101 ESPN. Back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Every week on 101 ESPN, I have the chance to visit with Carriker and Smallman, and my visits come on Monday mornings. And so this week, it was Michelle Smallman starting our conversation, asking me as being one of the voices of the Cardinals what it has been like this summer without having the routine of baseball every single night. And I told her, well, you know, opening day, you think about that, the home opener and certainly the 4th of July, missing baseball. It's the routine of baseball and not having that every single night. It's missing for all of us, just missing St. Louis Cardinals baseball. I watch a lot of um, MLB Network. That, That part has been really cool for me to have the time to go back I watch MLB Network religiously anyway, especially during the season. I go back. I've told you guys this a million times. Like, I watch the West Coast games anyway. I can't sleep after our games at night. Um, before I get into the booth, a lot of times I'm watching the early games anyway, seeing what's going around, on around the league. Um, I used to watch Vin all the time. But um, I texted Chip Carey the other night because they put on that Braves-Mets game of the mid-'80s. I think it was in '85 when they had like just the longest rain delay down in Atlanta and then they they played for like an hour and then they had another mm-hmm. two and a half hour rain delay and it, anyway long story short they wound up playing you know till four or five in the morning okay and then they had fireworks or whatever it was and Chip's dad was on the game and I, I texted Chip and 
there's Skip Carey calling the game, and here's Hernandez, you know, and he's doing the game. And it was just funny. We're, you know, going back and forth, but listening to the various broadcasters call the game and how the game has changed and how it's delivered on television especially, that I, I found that kind of fascinating, watching the game and listening to those broadcasters. That, that's that been kind of fun for me. And the, the big difference is, and you were talking last week about how, many billboards you need to read and there oh are times during the game where you can't be watching the game because you you have the next whether it's the Honda home, Honda home run inning right yeah see I'm paying attention yeah you are good uh, job Randy thank you but uh you know here's what's coming up on Fox Sports Net Midwest tomorrow we're back at it at uh, pregame at 6:30 all those things and that game I think it was 1984 Skip's able just to watch the game and, and didn't have any of the extraneous stuff that we need now because it raises funds. It's it's a revenue driver, but that wasn't there in 1984. The pace of a Keith Hernandez at bat, I noticed the other night, was unbelievable. Rick Mailer was on the mound, and um, and Skip was talking about how great of a, a two-strike batter Keith Hernandez was. Keith Hernandez didn't step out of the box, and he had something like an eight or a nine pitch at bat and didn't uh, step out of the box except one time. And he took one down the third baseline, still stayed in the box. And remember how Keith would adjust his helmet? Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. He would, and then kind of just took one little practice swing and then stayed in the box. And Mailer got the ball right back from the catcher or the umpire and went right back to the mound and threw another one. Then he pulled one down the first baseline. Then he he fouled one back and then eventually got a double into the gap in left center. And I was just amazed. That's the thing that's struck me is how quick the uh, the approach is of the pitcher and the batter. Just they're in the box, they get the ball, they go. And, and it's just a different pace to the game. The game is completely different. And the presentation of the game, just they, they just go. I think it's better. I do think it's better. I, I I think the athletes are incredibly better now. Um, not to say that they were bad then. It's just the athletes are bigger and stronger now. I don't necessarily think they're better baseball players, but they're just bigger and stronger now. I had forgotten that Rick Mailer pitched in that game. Yeah. Notable that he also pitched nine innings of relief. Nine innings of That's relief right. in the 1988 game that Jose Okendo pitched here. That's right. That's the, the connection between the two. It's yeah. incredible. Amazing. The Nationals, who canceled their workout for today, their players and staff were tested on Friday. Today is Monday, and they haven't gotten the results back yet. So the Nationals canceled their workouts for today. And on the West Coast, uh, the A's have mm-hmm. not had a full workout yet. And then the Giants have had some issues as well. So it's kind of been hit and miss as we go along here uh, in the first uh, few days of the the opening of camps. Uh, just come down. I saw Ken Rosenthal retweet this. The Astros also canceled their workout today. They're still waiting their Friday results as well. Okay. Hmm. So that's another team. So we are now, what, 18, 19 days away from the opening of the Major League season. It'll be announced uh, later today on MLB Network, the schedule. So, you know, again, it's a work in progress. It's a very important work in progress. And, you know, hopefully they get this thing uh, right and, and the players feel safe enough not to opt out and you know, we have baseball at some point. I would think that has to be particularly frustrating for the Astros who are used to instantaneous results. Well, as we've seen, whether it be with a trash can or with coronavirus testing, we, we need that. If you think any team would have the technology in place to make sure this was speedy and efficient, <laughs> it is the Houston Astros. One thing we heard, though, from the Cardinal players, and I appreciate guys like Andrew Miller coming out and Matt Carpenter and Adam Wainwright and Mike Schilt. 
I mean, they, they've talked about the importance of, of getting on the field, of at least at this point not opting out, and talking about how important it is not only for them, for owners, but for everybody involved, the fans and, you know, people make a living off of this and saying, hey, you know, we understand the greater importance of trying to be out there and and also explaining to everyone we are going to pull young players aside and say, hey, if you're if you're not in line with this thing, you better get in line because we are all relying on each other to make sure because it's kind of a house of cards. If you bring it in the clubhouse and it spreads and, and we get it, it's over. Do you it's guys over. think that this is part of being a St. Louis Cardinal, the, the recognition that in this town, it's more important than it is in most other towns. And the understanding that the, a lot of guys, Paul Goldschmidt, the latest example, has fallen in, lo- in love with the fans here because, for lack of a better term, we owe it to the fans to give that to them this year. Well, I think they understand in a normal year the importance of what the franchise means to the city for sure. Um, I would say baseball collectively because of what they went through in the negotiations and how ugly it turned, not not just in St. Louis, but everywhere. I think the players understand the importance of what it means, whether you're playing in Toronto or St. Louis or Miami or Tampa or San Francisco, wherever you're at. I do believe the players collectively understand how important it means to the country to try to play. Maybe not Tampa. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, the, these players understand in a, in a serious manner. I, they, they understand what this means. I, I do. I mean, and, and for guys like Mike Leake to step aside and, and forego $6 million and for David Price to mm-hmm. walk away from $12 million, I mean, that, that's... It's big money. Now, I realize these guys have made a lot of money, but, you know, they, that's that's still a lot of money to walk away from. So I don't begrudge guys opting out. I've said that from day one. That's a personal decision. And there's going to be more that probably come. But the guys that opt in, and we need to talk more about that, I appreciate that too. And I do think that they put it on their shoulders to say that they're part of the collective importance and the collective good of what baseball can mean to a lot of people. I do. I also think... If they're looking at it from a macro, they're probably looking at it from a micro, too, and how their season's been disrupted and how their career could be upended. Who knows what this is going to look like moving forward? So I think for those players that do opt in, in addition to saying, yeah, we need to do this for the fans, for our organization, for my my money, et cetera, they're probably looking at it and saying, what if we don't have a season this year? What's it going to look like next year? Is my career all of a sudden looking completely different than I anticipated it to look like? I think it's a great point. I mean... Adam Wainwright, mm-hmm. Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys like that. Um, and I think those are two great examples here in St. Louis. Um, I I think you have to look, too, after this year. You, you, We all have no idea, first of all, what next season looks like. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But we have no idea what the economic climate of the sport is going to look like if you're a free agent. Um, it's going to be fascinating what sports looks like, especially baseball, if they don't play this year. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody knows. But if, if you're on the backside of your career, and I, that's no disrespect to Yachty or Wayno, and if they were here, they would say that too. They're not 22 years old. Um, if you take this year off and you don't play, it's really hard to come back. I mean, it's just hard to play at that level at that advanced age. So it's it's about also physically just trying to stay somewhat sharp in a 60-game season to be able to come back next year and play mm-hmm. physically, take the money out of it just to play the sport. I'm amazed now, though, that as we sit here on 
uh, July 6th. The ownership and the baseball front office are supposed to be the adults in the room. And right now it appears the biggest issue are the adults in the room, the people that are supposed to implement the testing, the people that are supposed to be organized, the people that are supposed to keep everybody safe. When you have a situation like Houston, the Angels, the Nationals, that is not on the players one iota. And so that's troubling is that you I would think if baseball wasn't going to be at least I was thinking when they came to an agreement. OK, if we don't play, it's going to be because of irresponsible players, not because of disorganized owners. Right now, it looks like it's disorganized owners that are the biggest issue right now. I, I would say this and this is by no means is this an excuse. You're coming off a of fourth of fourth uh, of July weekend. And again, this is no excuse. I mean, you're, you're dealing with players lives here. And I'm sure that you're going to hear about that. But they, I mean, starting this morning, this has got to be cleaned up. I mean, this this is it. I mean, you've got, what, two and a half weeks to get this thing right before opening day. And that's it. And I I really feel that this is going to be a a pivotal week for players because I I felt like, and I want to get both both your thoughts on this. I, I felt like this weekend and the next couple of days, it would be players saying, okay, I can... I can handle the testing. I'm kind of in a rhythm of this. Okay, I can deal with it. I, I'm. I don't know if used to it is the right way. I don't know if you ever get used to it with no fans and constant testing and the social distancing and the various things that you have to go through. Or some players on the flip side just say, "You know what? I've made my money. This is a. This is. This stinks. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. like this. I'm. I'm done. I'm opting out. I don't feel comfortable. And I'll see you in 2021." which is fine too. But I really felt like this could be a pivotal week as more players, and I do think we'll have that, more players opt out. What do you guys think? I think it's a pivotal week or a pivotal few days. And now that you have this, oh, man, it it just hurts. I was going to say, if I'm a player and I did feel comfortable going back, even despite all the things you just mentioned, and then I do the test and it's on Friday and it's Monday and we still don't have the results, I'm looking around being like, okay, so how how much time did I spend with these guys? I I could be exposed. How did they not think about this? How did they not think about a workflow here? How did they not think about logistics? I mean, how many people who are smarter than me got in a room and said, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll have them tested. We'll ship it out to another state and then we'll come back. And yeah, okay, 48 hours roughly, they're going to get the results. How did no one think, okay, well, what if tests come back positive? Then these guys have been working out with each other. They've been close in close contact, sweats going everywhere. How how was none of this thought out before? So if I'm a player and this is happening now and I already had reservations, yeah, I think we might see a lot of other players come out this week and say, I'm not go- I'm not cool with this. And just let's use Andrew Miller as an example. He's got two small kids. He said yesterday, my, my parents are older. He doesn't want to expose anybody. He said, I would feel terrible if I were the one that transmitted the disease to somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And I would think that there are a lot of players that have that that personal responsibility, and it is a lot of responsibility, that they wouldn't want to do that. And if you have no control because your testing is either non-existent or poor or delayed, then shame on baseball. But if I'm a player, yeah, I, I would absolutely, you'd have to consider opting out if you're concerned about other people. Well, I think we'll find out 24, 48 hours. Yep. This this could completely change. Um, and I'm sure baseball in the next hour or two will definitely have to come out and address what's yeah. happened with these teams for it's sure. It's unbelievable to me. Before, if I'm Rob Manfred and the front office of Major League Baseball, 
the first thing I do when I talk to all the GMs, all the owners, first thing we have to do is get testing in place. The very first thing. Let's worry about all the other stuff later. But when those players walk through the door, testing is first and foremost. I can't believe that they have mm-hmm. a situation like this. Yeah. We got to find out here. Yeah. Next day or two, it's got to get cleaned up. You can hear me with Randy Michelle every Monday, Ribs and BK on Wednesday, and the Fast Lane Fridays on 101 ESPN. I'll wrap up the Redbird Report next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. That does it for the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. For Brad Thompson, Brian Walton, and our thanks to Randy and Michelle. I'm Dan McLaughlin. A reminder, it is done every Monday night. The Redbird Report at 6. Great guests come your way. I'll be back with you tomorrow on Scoops with Danny Mack. You don't want to miss it. I'll catch up with Bob Kendrick from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri. I'll talk to you at 10 tomorrow on 101 ESPN. That was the Danny Mac Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com.